From Uninterrupted, this is 17 Weeks, the show that gives you the real-time perspective of NFL stars living through the weekly grind of a season. I'm your host, Nate Burleson, and this is Week 8. We are joined by three of my favorite guys in the league, Seattle Seahawks, strong safety, Jamal Adams. Well, see, the New York media, any little thing they want, you know, majority of them want to embarrass you. That's like their job. I'm going to be honest with you. They love, they get a high off of it. They love to do that. Pittsburgh Steelers tight end, Eric Ebron. I did not know how good Polynesia sauce was. Dog, that had to be the craziest, like, blast of taste in a long time. I was like, what? So, Chick-fil-A, holla at me, man. I need that Polynesian sauce in my life. In New Orleans Saints whiteout, Emmanuel Sanders. If I'm in the middle of that situation or if they did something to, like, one of the offensive players, like, that will give me hype. Like, if somebody did that to Mike, I'm like, okay, this is how y'all want to play. All right, let's go. We about that, too. Like, whatever, how far you want to take it, I'm willing to take it that far, too. Before we get to this episode, quick timeout. 17 Weeks is brought to you by Uninterrupted and SiriusXM. New episodes drop every Thursday. You can listen on demand on SiriusXM or for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at 17 Weeks Pod for more content from the guys. Wherever you listen to it, though, be sure to subscribe, rate five stars, and share the show too while you're at it. All right, let's get to this week's episode. It's time for the breakdown. Well, we've reached the midway point of the season when the better teams have begun to break away from the pack. All three of our guys happened to play for one of those elite teams, and each of them came away with hard-fought victories this Sunday. Eric Steelers needed safety Minka Fitzpatrick to break up a Lamar Jackson pass on the goal line on the game's final play to seal a 28-24 win over the Ravens in Baltimore, ensuring Pittsburgh remained the league's only undefeated team at 7-0. Emmanuel Saints played their first outdoor game of the year, going into Chicago's Soldier Field to take on the Bears. New Orleans outlasted Chicago, winning 26-23 on a Will Lutz field goal with under two minutes left in overtime to go 5-2. Inside the 20, DK Metcalf, and that's going to be a Seahawks touchdown. Wow. Jamal's Seahawks bounced back from last week's overtime loss in Arizona with a decisive 37-27 victory over Jimmy G and the 49ers, moving to 6-1 and assuring Seattle continues to have the best record in the NFC. Although sidelined for the fourth straight game with a groin strain, Jamal felt the Hawks played inspired defense. Something he feels the Seattle Seahawks defense has been unfairly accused of not doing in the media. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. We definitely, we definitely came to play. And uh, that's been the talk all week is our mindset and, you know, hearing what everybody's saying about our defense. Like, we took it very, very personal. And it was, it was enough talking. It was just about doing it. You know what I mean? Just going back to the fundamentals and just doing what we do. We got away from doing what we did. You know what I mean? They let us loose and we was ready to be, you know, uh, let loose and just get back to doing what we do, you know, as a Seahawks defense, you know what I mean? But we got to be better in the fourth fourth quarter, you know, a couple of things we, we got to do, you know, as a defense to get better at that, and we will. Um, but, you know, again, man, this defense is all, everybody hasn't played with each other, right? You know what I mean? So everybody, every year is a new team. 
it's going to take some time to really gel that defense. Sometimes it don't even happen to where you, you just roll out there and say, oh, this defense is the best. No, nah, it takes time, you know, with the add of, you know, Carlos Dunlap, that's going to be big. You know, guys coming back, um, you know, uh, myself getting healthy and, uh, you know, snacks getting back out there. So it's going to be exciting, man. You know, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, I, you know, we hear everything and we see everything. Just keep that same energy. You know what I mean? That's how we're looking at it. Jamal, how difficult is it to develop chemistry on defense? Yeah, you know, everybody got to, you know, know the ins and outs of the defense and, and, and know your role and, and know what your assignment and your, your, your job is. You know what I mean? Everybody has a job on the field. So if we execute it, you know, plays don't happen or whatever the case may be. But sometimes we, we can execute a defense and the offense just executed it a little bit better. You know what I mean? That's the that's what we call football, you know, the X's and O's, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's like playing, you know, chess, you know what I mean? Not checkers, but chess, you know what I mean? So every moving part is important. Every little gamble or whatever the case may be is important. More help may be on the way. The Seahawks just acquired defensive end Carlos Dunlap from Cincinnati. He's a two-time Pro Bowler with 82 and a half sacks over his career. Good move? At the end of the day, man, I'm excited to, you know, have him over here. Um, you know, obviously more, more rush off the edge. They, they might not have to slide the protection my way uh, all the time. So if they slide it, when I blitz, you know, they in trouble. So they got, you got Dunlap and then you got Bobby coming up the middle and doing what he do. And man, you, then you got DJ Reed doing what he do. And uh, we blitz all over, bro. So that's the special thing. Like we haven't even put, you know, uh, you know, obviously we haven't had everybody on the field at, at at one time, you know, injuries, whatever the case may be. Uh, but, you know, we're getting to that. And, and that's going to be special when we do. Five-yard drive. Good snap. Good hold. Ball game. Saints win it in overtime, 26-23. Emmanuel set out his second game as he recovers from COVID-19. But he was watching on TV as the Saints faced the Bears in Chicago in a back-and-forth struggle that they ultimately won, due in large part of the steady play of quarterback Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean, we went out and got a win, right? So that's all That's all that matters. Uh, you know, kudos to Drew. I saw something saying Drew Brees and still hasn't proven. I'm like, what Like, what else do you want, you know, this guy to prove? Like, he's winning games and, you know, the guys that – He's going out to war with, you know, they're not, I'm not saying that they're not big time players, but they have yet to like showcase that big time talent yet. And, uh, you know, and those are the kind of players that, that he's playing with. And, you know, and, you know, I look, I look forward to like them guys stepping up and making plays and they did, you know, Traquan Smith been making plays all year, you know? Um, and so, uh, he's a guy that I enjoy watching play and he's a guy that I think has a lot of upside and a lot of people really don't talk about him too much, but he shows up game after game after game, making big plays for us. And so, uh, and then you take a guy like Alvin Kamara, who for some reason, not too many people are talking about, but the ones who are talking about is because they've been watching the games and they seeing what type of season this guy is having, because I've never seen a running back have the type of season that he's having. I mean, this I've seen a lot in this league, but I haven't seen anything to the magnitude of what this guy is doing and providing for us. And so uh, he's a big part of the reason why we've won four straight games 100%. The Saints wideout Michael Thomas led the league in receptions and receiving yards a year ago, but hasn't seen action since suffering an ankle injury in week one. Emmanuel is looking forward to taking the field with him again soon. 
Of course, you know, I, I was sitting down, I was talking to Mike Thomas uh, yesterday, and we were just talking about it's time, it's time to, it's time to put it all together, right? Um, give give the people what they want to see. You know, I, I feel healthy. Um, you know, I don't know Mike's situation completely, but hopefully he'll be back this week, and you know we can get things rolling. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to getting out there on that field and playing with him again, and. I'll be out there playing, but I'm still a fan, you know, at the end of the day, too, and watching him go to work and seeing how Drew preparation and seeing how Alvin goes about his business and and just watching Mike go to work. You know, I haven't seen him go to work in a game, but I've seen him go to work in practice, and it's fun to watch. And so, in my opinion, Mike Thomas is the best receiver in the league, and, and that's a guy that we've been uh, out without, what, five, six games? So... I mean, if you look at it from that standpoint, obviously he's going to change the dynamic of our offense and make us even more deadly. Meanwhile, in Baltimore, the Steelers roared from behind, rallying from a 10-point deficit and then holding on before winning on an epic defensive stop. Eric, we heard Coach Tomlin delivered an inspiring speech the night before the game. Tell us about it. He kind of explained how excited he was about the matchup and how, you know, it's so many people. Like, he's like, you know, Jim Nance and Tony Romo and all of these people are doing the game, announcing the game and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you know, that's when you know you're in good company and when you're supposed to be doing stuff right, you know, you get CBS top, you know, people, whatever. And it was kind of, he was just expressing like, you know, his humbleness for being where we are and how, you know, we shouldn't just take these opportunities and these matchups and all of this for granted because one, we earned it and two, you know, where else do you want to be? You know, you want to be that featured game of the week every week. So it's just kind of cool that we're, that we're just riding this little wave. <laughs> Wide open. Wide open. Lang to the end zone. Ebron with the Pittsburgh score. Eric had a solid day, catching four passes for 48 yards and a wide-open TD. Eric, explain how you got so open. It was a simple, simple, shallow route. Um, I just was a little bit more patient on it because I, I, want, I knew that we were letting our receivers, you know, do what they do. And I kind of figured what kind of defense they'd be in, and I just took off uh, once I saw the opening. So I didn't know I was going to be that open, but once I caught it and I turned up field and I saw no one near me, I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> it doesn't get, it's fun, man, because I was just talking about it in practice. I was telling our uh, QB coach, uh, Matt Kennedy, I was like, man, I haven't had a catch and run in like, all year like when can I get like I'm always getting catching a ball and getting tackled or making a tough catch I'm like damn can I get a catch and run something easy and then boom I talked it up so <laughs> I was happy <laughs> Eric time to give props to that Pittsburgh defense honestly they played way better than we did like running the football they made better plays than we did in, in crunch time moments I'm, it's, it's, it's to the point where it's like this. All right, I'm pretty sure our defense is like, all right, offense, if y'all want to be good, you know, we're down 17-7, you know, give us something. And we give them 14 points. And now we ride this wave. And now towards the end of the game, we're like, all right, defense, you want to be the number one defense in the NFL? You say you are. We'll make this stop and prove it. And, you know, that's kind of just what they did. And I mean, we just answered a bell every time. Every time there's a, there's, there's a task, there's a little bit of adversity, there's – a little bit of whatever, man. We just we just answer the bell. We just come prepared. And I think that's just kudos to the coaching staff. That's kudos to the players we have in the locker room. Everybody is willing to sacrifice whatever. 
Seattle was pleasantly surprised with the contributions of a number of their younger untested players, including rookie running back DJ Dallas, who carried the ball 18 times, caught five passes, and scored two TDs. Bro, it's crazy because over here, it, it wasn't even just DJ Dallas getting his first start. There's a lot of guys I can think about right now from practice squad that got moved up, from being a tight end, uh, my little bro Sully, being a tight end, now he's on the defensive side playing DN and rushing off the Like, bro, it's the, the special thing about over here is that no one misses a beat, no matter who's in. That next man up mentality, that, that starts with upstairs and that starts with the coaching staff. Not, not necessarily teach them the same, but learning how they need to be taught so they understand what you're trying to teach. Does that make sense? So, man, so many guys, man, that, 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 that don't have the biggest role or making the biggest plays, man, and, and, and they're splashing no matter what. When, when that opportunity presents itself, they're going to get it. They take care of what they have to take care of, control what they can control. But then when they get their opportunity, they explode over here, man. And it's special and it's unique to see. Jamal was drafted number six overall in 2017. But he has a special spot in his heart for those not drafted. I was fortunate enough to, you know, be drafted. You know what I mean? So many guys work their ass off and, and they're good enough to be dra drafted and they just don't get drafted or they slip in a draft, whatever the case may be. So, you know, those guys, they, they got a different chip on their shoulder. So they... They got to keep going, you know what I mean? So they, anytime they get that opportunity, it knocks, and they, and they ready for it, you know what I mean? So I salute guys like that, man, and I salute guys that even if you didn't slip and you went in the first round or whatever the case may be, you still got that dog and you still got that hunger with you because, you know, once you stop learning in this game, man, you might as well retire, bro. During the third quarter of the Saints-Bears game, Bears wide receiver Javon Williams sucker punched Saints defensive back and notorious trash talker C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Williams was ejected from the game and subsequently suspended for two more. What's your take on that, Emmanuel? Yo, that was just crazy. I, 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 know, I know how Chauncey is. Chauncey, Chauncey gonna talk, you know what I mean? And, and he's our energy guy on defense. He's the guy that's gonna bring the energy. Week in and week out, practices no matter what. He's going to bring energy, and he's going to go there, um, and he, he, he that's how he gets in his zone. That's how he plays at his best is, is talking trash and having fun. And, uh, so when I saw that, that Wims uh, and Chauncey got into it, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> I wasn't surprised at all because I know, I know that, you know, me and Chauncey has gotten into it. Him and Mike obviously got into it, so I wasn't surprised, but I was just surprised about, you know, how – the kid Williams went about it. It was just like, like, dude, are you crazy? First of all, you about to hurt your team. And then second of all, it's about to cost you a lot of money. Like, it's not that serious. It's somebody ripping out your mouthpiece. At the end of the day, we're trying to win a game. You cost your team a penalty, uh, pushed them back. And not only that, like, you got ejected and got suspended two games. So it was it really worth it. It was smart at uh, Chauncey, right, of saying, hey, look, like, I'm playing within the rules of the game. There's nothing in the rules of the rule book said that I can't talk trash and pull your mouthpiece and do stuff like that. You know, there's no rule of that sort. So I'm playing within the rules of the game, and this dude stepped out of bounds. And so uh, it was it was good for the Saints and bad for the Bears in, 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 in so many ways. Emmanuel, what would you do if that happened to you? 
if it was me, it's going. If if I'm in the middle of that situation, or if they did something to like one of the offensive players, like that will give me hype. Like if somebody did that to Mike, I'm like, okay, this is how y'all want to play. All right, let's go. Like let's go. Like we about that too. Like whatever, how far you want to take it, I'm willing to take it that far too. Uh, obviously within the rules of the game, but I'm a, I'm gonna I'm still do a little sneak dissing. You know what I mean? Like. I ain't gonna get injected or nothing to start swinging on nobody, but we about to play hard and we about to try to knock somebody out of the game within the rules of the game, right? Because, you know, I know a lot of people, they want to talk about hard hits and this and that and that. We play a violent sport. It's football. It's violent. It's vicious. It's it's tenacious. Like, it's a violent sport. So you can hurt somebody out there while playing within the, 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 the realm of the game, right? The rules of the game. And so... If they take it, if they take it that far, I'm willing to take it that far too. That's when football becomes fun to me. Eric, what's going through your mind during that last play? Five seconds to go. Lamar drops back from the 23 and throws the ball to wide receiver Willie Sneed, who's already caught five passes for more than 100 yards. No, heck no, not with no, no, for one or two reasons. One, we have one of the best safeties in football, and I know Mika not gonna let that happen. So I, it, it's cool, like. It's cool, and the exact person I knew to make the play, if they had to throw it, was make it, and he made his play. So, no, I didn't, and my heart wasn't beating. I just knew that our defense, like, something was just like, all right, defense, here it is. Now, you know, leaving it up to a field goal kicker like the Titans game, that's different. My heart was beating through my chest, because I'm like, this is, this is what they do. Like, they have all day for this. Like, they're not going to miss. And then when they miss, you're like, oh, shit. You know, but leaving the game up for Lamar to pass it against our defense with some of the players we have. Nah, I did. I I, I knew it. We had the game. I I called that with fourteen. So even when they made that deep down the field pass over the middle, it it didn't shock me. I I was upset, but it didn't shock me none. Jamal, next week you guys play the Bills in Buffalo, a team you're quite familiar with from your days as a Jet. But this year they're playing well, and it looks like they may run away with the division. It's gonna be tough, man. I I think uh. You know, the Dolphins is playing some good ball right now, too, man. So I wouldn't I wouldn't sleep on them. I wouldn't just give it to the Bills. The Bills is, a, you know, a great a great organization. Obviously, I've had a lot of respect for them. Uh, never liked them, obviously, but I had a lot of respect for them and always will. Uh, well coached, um, you know, have a lot of grit, have a lot of attitude over there. They play to win. They're hard nosed. I respect them. You can just never know which, what, what the Bills is going to throw at you, you know. It, you know, it's not just one person. They got some good ballers over there. You know, the weird thing is, is now I'm, you know, on a different side. I'm not in the division, so I don't know when I'll see them again. So it's pretty cool to, you know, play against different teams from all over, man. I, I think that's what it's about, man, all the competition. Emmanuel, next up for the Saints is a huge opening night rematch versus the Buccaneers on primetime TV in Tampa. At stake, the lead in the NFC South. I mean, at, at the end of the day, we all know, like, this is like a five-star matchup, right? You know, Brady versus Breeze, you know. This is the game that God created, right? This is this is how God wanted it to come about, you know. This is why Tom Brady came out of the vision, right? This is what everybody was talking about. So it's a five-star matchup. They, they NFL, I know they patting, pounding their chest right now saying, I knew we was going to get it right. They made a Sunday night football for the whole world to see. Does the team change as dramatically as Tampa Bay appears to have changed between week one and midseason very often? 
I mean, we all knew that the Bucks were going to get better and better as the season pro- uh, progressed. I think I even said it in the week one podcast that they're going to get better and better uh, because they didn't have any OTAs um, because of the COVID rules and everything. Like, they didn't have as much time to really prepare for us. Uh, and the advantage was on us because, you know, we had Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees who've been working together a long time with a lot of returning starters coming back. So, they're, they're rolling at the right time. And it's not even, you know, Tom Brady. It's defensively. They got the number one defense in the league right now. So, Emmanuel, the question of the hour. Are you playing Sunday versus the Bucks? Yeah, I'm, I'm playing. Yeah, I'm playing. 100% I'm playing. I got clear about the NFL on Monday. I, c- I could go back into the building. Then hopefully, you know, I'll be I'll be back, you know, you know, be in the game on Sunday, getting as many plays as you know, before I left because I felt like I kept myself in shape based off the workouts that they've been putting me through. So I'm looking forward to getting back. It's just, just getting back to normal. Eric, next week, the Steelers head to Dallas to face the Cowboys in Jerry's world. What are your thoughts on that matchup? Oh, I was talking to Joe Hayden. I was like, bro, I love Dallas. Like, I love playing at Dallas. You're in this big old stadium. They got some of, like, the best turf. It feels like you're, like, bouncing. It feels so electric. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. I get to see my family. Honestly, for me, it's, it's, it's another opportunity for, for us to display, you know, that we can be dominant because we didn't, we didn't really do that against the Ravens. So, offensively, I think this is a, a game for us to get back on track um, and figure out re- really what we want to be because come down to crunch times like that, um, second half, the, the Titans kind of shut us out. And then the first half of this game, the Ravens kind of the Ravens did shut us out. So we got to figure out what we want to be and how how aggressive we want to be and when are we going to be aggressive? And we're just just still trying to figure out our identity. And I think now is the time where we where we have to. Um, we're about midway through the season. We've, we we should know what each other's you know talents are, gifts are, what we're good at, what we're not good at. And I think we you just need to get better and better and sync offensively and. That's kind of that's what this game is. We're, I'm not going to take Dallas lightly. Who cares if we're the heavy favorite shit? This week on The Huddle Up. Eric Jamal and Emmanuel open up about issues that may be in the news or on their minds. Our guys address the media. How a professional athlete must learn to deal with it. How they may use it. How it may use them. And how they really feel about it. This past week, Emmanuel found himself in the eye of a media storm after he used this podcast to divulge details of his testing positive for COVID-19. What was that like for you, Emmanuel? I love the media. The media, if you, if, if you use it the right way, it allows the fans to get to know you as a player. Uh, social media and just media in general allows an NFL player to speak their voice, right? You know, I know I got a lot of a lot of backlash from, you know, the whole, you know, coronavirus and me telling my story about the corona. But I was just giving my 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 point of view of how I was feeling. Right. And how how my my thought process process was. And if you felt like, you know, I was wrong about, you know, telling that. Well, guess what? And this is this is my podcast. And and and, and I'm OK with expressing how I feel. Uh why would I bottle up everything that 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 I got going on? Well, it's not like I I I said something wrong or anything. I just told people how I felt, and you know, some media streams obviously to get clickbait. They they tagged it as if like 
I'm dying or something, but that's not that's not my job. If they want to use it as clickbait, and I don't, I've learned to not care about that because I can't control that. I only control what I can control, and that's the narrative in which I speak and how I express stuff and the meaning behind it. Because if you listen to what I was saying instead of what TMZ or uh, like said in in that article, like you'll know that like yeah, like they're just this is really just trying to do it just so they can get clickbait so people can click on it and see like. Like what's going on, right? And so, you know, I I respect TMZ because hey, they they got they got to feed their family how they got to feed their family. So I, I don't take any of it personal. It's all business, and that's what I learned. Uh, don't ever take anything personal because it's rarely ever personal. It's just, it's it's mainly business, and I respect the business of it. Jamal, what's your point of view when it comes to the media? You know, you 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 respect certain ones and certain ones that. You know, try to flip your words or whatever the case may be, but the media is the, the media is gonna be a, be the media. You know, they need a story, and that's that's their job. So you you gotta you gotta respect them on, on what they do. But for me, all I ask is just to be respectful. You know, at the end of the day, we're 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 human. We're we're just athletes at the top of our profession. Just just respect us, and we'll respect you as well. Respect our space. Respect how you speak to us. Respect. How, what type of things you ask? Because some people are out there. Let's just be honest. They're media that are media people. They're assholes, right? And they're trying to get get a story or trying to embarrass you. Jamal, before coming to Seattle, you spent the first three years of your career in New York City as a Jet. New York media is known to be relentless. What was your experience like? Yeah, well, see, the New York media, any little thing they want, you know, majority of them want to embarrass you. That's like their job. I, I'm going to be honest with you. They love, they get a high off of it. They love to do that. Again, I don't, I don't respect those people that try to embarrass the media. I mean, e- embarrass players just to get a story. And I get it's your job, but man, just respect us as well. You know what I mean? We're, we're not perfect. No one's perfect. All the media is not bad. That's where people get it wrong. Like, it's just a diamond dozen of people like that, right? But... There's some great ones out there, man, that do it big and, and use it to influence, to inspire um, so, so many things, because that's something that I want to do when I'm done is speak on TV. In pre-COVID-19 days after the game, media members basically parked themselves in the Jets locker room digging for stories. Oh, uh, man, I hated that. You take an L, you, you know, it's, it's one thing to take an L and learn from it and, you know, continue winning. But it's tough when you, you know, you continue to lose. It, it was tough. Man, dealing dealing with the media and 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 standing up there, but man, it made me who I am today, bro. Like the media, anything the media throws at me now, it's like okay, it's it's easy, you know what I mean. So I, I've I had learning curves. Don't get me wrong, bro. I went through it. You know, my first my first year, I, I had to I had a lot of st- stories break out on me of what I've said or. Saw my second year of what I said, and Todd Bowles used to always be like, man, get off, the, get off the social media, man. Get off social media. And I'm like, bro, I'm not doing anything. But in reality, I just was, you know, not speaking about it. You know, I wasn't making it clear of what I was trying to say. Like, I wasn't trying to throw anybody under the bus or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, or say this, say that, could have used a better choice of word. You know, you learn through all that, man. So, but... Yeah, yeah. When I when I when I left, I knew I knew what time it was. They was gonna bash me and make it all about you know me. And I'm a selfish player, and I'm a bad teammate. I already knew what time it was, so it comes with it. You know what I mean? It, you know, if you you don't have no haters, you you know you ain't doing it right. That's how I always look at it. So just gotta keep going, bro. We we not 
we're not focused on that. I'm, 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 I'm happy to be here, bro. Eric, have you ever had relationships with members of the media? Man, I, I, I'm cool with the media, man. Just people, people, I mean, people in the media are who they are. Like, you know, sometimes they write what they want to write, and sometimes they actually write what you say, or they take things out of comedy, and the media is just the media. So uh, it only bothers me when you have that, that you know, that filth, that that one, you know, that one bad apple in, in the bunch. And that's, that's the only thing. And, you know, I, I'm a type of person that, like, don't like, like, BS or you, you know, misconstruing things or doing that. So, yeah, I like to call those people out. And then that usually often gets me in trouble, but whatever. <laughs> How do you handle it if you were to have an issue with a reporter, Eric? I mean, I kind of handle it the, the most Ebronic way I knew how. <laughs> and that's that's just like, you know, it's just me. <laughs> There's only one. What about the quote-unquote good media? There's a lot of good ones, man. And honestly, those are great people to talk to. Those, you you can you can feel a genuine um, media personnel, you know, whether they write or they, you know, whatever, broadcast, whatever. You can just feel how genuine they are, man. You know, ask you questions like, how are your family? Or they know about you? Or more or less, you know, what's the next story I can write? These people actually care, man. And, and, and you have a lot of those. Like, I've never, like, there's a lot of great people in Pittsburgh media, man. Like, I have yet to, I mean, I haven't physically seen any of them, but every time we're on Zoom calls, it seems like we always have great conversations. So it, you can tell it's more genuine here than other places. Emmanuel, how would you describe your relationship with members of the media? It's business at the end of the day. So I understand, like, like some beat writers, like, they looking for a story, and that's how they 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 feed their family. And so, if I disrespect them, they gonna write articles, and and it's gonna be all negative. But if I'm if I keep a business relationship with them, and they know who I am, and they know what I'm about, they not gonna write anything, no bullshit about me, right? They're not gonna write any bullshit about me because they know where my heart stands, and they know how I feel, right? So if even if some other beat writer who don't know me write something about me. I've had beat writers in Denver that, that go on their Twitter and defend me. Well, I don't even have to defend myself. They write the article saying like, no, like this is not how it is. This is not how Emmanuel is. Like I know how Emmanuel is. And so, you know, I've always respected the business relationship that you can have with media. And, uh, you know, it's been weird, you know, coming out to New Orleans because most of the time I'm involved in the community. I'm involved with the media people. Like I don't even know any, any of the media people out here in New Orleans. Like I don't know any of the communities because of the whole COVID. So, you know, it's been it's been weird for me, but, you know, everybody has to make their own adjustments. Emmanuel, what was your relationship with the media like in Denver in your years as a Bronco? They, they would reach out to me like I literally like had the entire Denver of uh, uh, media. You know, they had my number and they would reach out and contact me and talk to me about stuff. And and if it was something that, you know, like I didn't want to talk about, it, express my opinion on, they would not get a reply from me like. You know, and they know that that means like you don't want to talk about it because it's more than likely it's none of my business. Right. And so I'm not going to talk about somebody else's business. What about you, Jamal? Ever develop relationships with reporters? You know, I've, I've, I've built a lot of relationships with a lot of media guys, man, through the, through just playing ball. I remember high school, uh, Damien Sales back back then when he was when he was doing his thing, like. There were so many guys I built relationships through and they respected my space and I still have relationships with those type of people to this day. You know what I mean? If you respect my space, you're very honest, 
you're not going to lie to me just to get a story or get something from me so I can give to you. I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? So like if you just res- if you just respect me in my space, I'm good with you, bro. Like I, I, I'll tell you, you know, majority of everything that you do want to hear. Right. Or what do you want to know? When it comes to the media, national, local or social, Jamal has learned not to get caught up in it, whatever it says about you. You just got to take it, you know, take it for what it is and, and move forward. Like it is what it is. You ain't going to, you're not going to win. So there's no point in like even going back with a fan. Sometimes you might just say something just to, just to jab at them. Like majority of the time, like if I, if a fan gets me to say something back to them, I'll either like it just to make them mad or, you know, send out, send out um, a comment back to them. If they say something negative to me. Um, just to just to mess with them, but they, you know, it is what it is, bro. I'll never meet these people, you know, that I, I don't I don't know. Like if you just got like a squirrel as your profile picture, I'm never gonna know who you are. So it's like I'm not I'm not about to argue with somebody that doesn't even have an actual profile picture. Come on, man. Like I'm wasting my time, bro. Emmanuel has found that one COVID nineteen protocol has unexpectedly become his preferred way of dealing with the media. Interviews done over Zoom. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. I like the Zoom calls, man. Cause after the game, I be so tired. And then some, some of the, some of the media people, bro, like they don't have no spatial. Like they be like right here, like close to my face. I be like, bro, I just fucking. I'm like, bro, I just literally chewed on a mouthpiece for like four hours, bro. Like I haven't been able to brush my teeth, wash my body, bro. You too close to me. Bag up, man. Bag up. We they they would. Like, they would literally come up to my locker and talk to me about my family and about just life in general. Like, it, it never was the, the, the recorder out sometimes when we were, I was talking to these guys. It was more like a friendship type, you know, like, but if they needed something, they'd be like, hey, so this is on the record, right? But other than that, like, they wouldn't even have a recorder out. We just talking and just chopping it up and just about things that's going on in the world. I knew that they wouldn't use it as a story because like we had that respect factor with each other. And if they did use it to a story, like I was a tired coming in the next day, like I'm handling you, bro. Like don't ever walk up to my locker. Don't talk to me. Don't say nothing to me. Like, you know, because you broke the bond between me and you. Like, so I just keep it real with people, man. Put Eric down as a fan of Zoom calls as well. That's dope. That's dope. I'm tired of them always in the locker room. That joint's annoying. It's like after practice, after the game, like during practice, it's like, bro, like, do y'all get tired of seeing us? Like, cause we, I'm tired. Like we get tired of seeing (laughs) y'all. Even as an easygoing guy, Emmanuel found it necessary to put his foot down when media members try to take advantage. Yeah. It was just one reporter in, in, in Denver. Like we we had went to, went to the Super Bowl, and then 16, we were having a rough year. Then 17, he comes in, and, like, he's looking for a story. And I remember I'm, t- I'm, I'm talking to him, and I'm, I'm looking at him like, dude, like, you talking to the wrong person if you're looking for a story, how you trying to get it out of me, bro, because I don't have, like, I know when to turn those emotions on and turn them off, and I see – how you how you trying to take this story? And so after he just kept going and kept going and kept going after the game because he know like I'm frustrated, right? He just kept going and I kept playing him to the left, kept playing him to the left, and then afterwards I told him I said, bro, you will never get an interview out of me ever again. And so it was like I had a big game that following week. He came up with his camera crew and I was being interviewed by a whole bunch of people. And I I looked at him and I said, hey, he just showed up. I'm not talking anymore. 
And then he tried to, then, then he tried to, he tried to keep talking. And I was like, I'm, I told you, I wasn't going to talk to you anymore because you, that's how you, you treated me like this last week and trying to play me like I'm a fool and try to create drama with my team and do what you do. And I see that you doing it. So I'm not going to talk to you. Well, then like I didn't talk to him for probably, uh, probably the whole season. And then that following season, I gave him another chance. We've been cool ever since. Eric, when you speak to the media, do you have a filter? No, I don't think I got a filter. I kind of just say, like, what's the first thing, some of the first things that come to my mind? Like, what do you feel about the Cowboys? Well, I know if we don't bring our A game or play like we want to beat them, they will beat our ass. Like, that's that's something, like, I would say, like, just be more realistic about it. But that's just me. Like, I don't, I don't know how other people go about it. And some people stop, take a second, think about the question. Like, I just, whatever comes out, comes out. I'll think about it after. <laughs> I was naive to the power the media had when I first got into the league. I heard that before. But then when I got to Seattle and I messed up my thumb, my owner collateral ligament in my thumb, my thumb was basically touching the inside of my arm because I tried to catch myself. And I remember the media painting it as if I was first faking this injury. So then that made me tough it out. Immediately after hurting my thumb, I tried to pick up a Snapple bottle, slipped on the ground, busted. That'll show you how much strength I didn't have in it. So like an idiot, I taped it up and I fought it out all season. Bad year, dropping balls. And first it started with, oh, Nate has trouble catching the ball, which I never had in my career. And then it was, Nate Burleson should go get checked for glasses. I was like, damn, okay. Then it was, Nate Burleson, is a bust. We should have never picked him up as a free agent. And then there was this one media member that could not leave it alone. I had a punt return versus the St. Louis Rams. And it was like my first real contribution of the season. The same dude was like, finally, it's not enough. We need to figure out a way to get him off the team. I'm like, damn, this dude is in a locker room every day, smiling every day. That offseason got my thumb fixed, came back. Hands down, I felt like I was the best receiver on the team. I was the best returner. I put up the most yards, had the most catches. I was the best. That dude still refused to give me love. It's like he always found a way to write something negative about me, even when I was doing great. And the craziest part was I retired and immediately went to the NFL Network. I walked into the media booth and I walked in and all the reporters, because I always show reporters love. What's up, man? How you doing? So proud of you doing a great job. That dude was in there. He didn't get up off his seat. He shot me a glance and kept eating his popcorn. In that moment, I realized some people just don't like you for whatever reason. And I don't know what it is. And I'm not saying you have to play the game to have a voice on the game. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying the ones that are so blatantly disrespectful, but have no idea what you're going through. So they don't consider your feelings when they write about you. They're just words, man. They're just words. It's time for Quick Outs. Hey, Jamal, when your days of playing in the NFL are over, you've mentioned going into TV, possibly as an analyst. Word on the street is you'd also like to go into acting. Is this true? You know, a goal for me as well is to act and be in a movie. So, like, I took drama classes. Like, I grew up, like, you know, doing that. Yeah, so I was really into it. I've always been into it. Like, it's not just something that, you know, everybody wants to act in a movie. Well, not everybody, but 
you know, that's something I want to look into, bro. What type of movies are we talking about? I can't do the comedy, uh, like stand-up comedy. I can do comedy like in a movie, but stand-up comedy, no, sir. Who's the actor you look up to? Denzel Washington, off the rip. There's, there's no, I, I don't care about anything else. You, you, you can argue with me all you want. Denzel Washington, my favorite. Emmanuel, what do you see yourself doing when you retire from the NFL? After football, possibly uh, get into media. Uh, if not, you know, I might start up a little league, uh, you know, uh, football and basketball league for my son and just coach my son and find a way to make some type of money out of Denver. You know, all that has sorted itself out. I've been doing television for, I've been doing television for six years, just trying to groom and just trying to get comfortable on the camera. So hopefully a job opportunity comes once I retire, but if it doesn't come, you know, I'll, I'll find a way to 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 be happy and, and find a new passion and whatever I'm passionate about, I'm gonna do it 100. And that's just how I'm built. So I, I I don't really stress out about it too much. How about you, Eric? What are your aspirations when your NFL career is done? Jamal said he wanted to be an actor. God bless him. For me, I'm gonna either do one or two things. Somehow, some way, I'm going to be connected to this superhero fantasy world that is among us, the Marvel, the DC, some way, somehow I'm going to be affiliated with that, or I'm either going to create my own video game or be a part of something gaming wise. Those are really like the only two things. And then an easy leeway would probably be an analyst and probably be into the media as well because I do like, I do love the game of football and I do love talking about the game of football, but I do think that my heart lies in like the fantasy, like superhero-ish video gaming world because that's really like all I know and I feel like that'd be a, a smoother transition outside of something else that I love is to do something else that I love. So. That's probably what I'm going to do. Shifting gears, let's face it. The NFC East is awful. It's very likely that the winner of the division will be considerably under 500, yet still make the playoffs, while teams with better records in other divisions may fail to make the postseason. How do you feel about that, Emmanuel? Yeah, I'd be salty, but i get over it the next day. Like, like It's like it's one of those situations. Yeah, you can sit back and talk about it and whine about it. And, and be jealous about it at the end of the day nothing gonna change like that's just my mentality right like i control what i can control right is it fair no it's not fair like but whoever said this thing was fair right like whoever said like these are the rules and this is how it's gonna go down you know the rules your team knows the rules you know if you finish 10 and 6 if you don't win your division and you don't get a wild card you're not making the playoffs those are the rules so for me like I just get over it. I'd be on a, I'd be drinking a beer in in Mexico on the beach somewhere. Like, oh well, it is what it is. Focus on next year because I can't control it no more. The Steelers have started seven and zero only one other time in their storied history, nineteen seventy eight, the year they won their third Super Bowl. Jamal, what do you have to say about Coach Tomlin and the job that he's doing? It's my dog, man. I remember he was recruiting me a little bit. You know, he he told me I'll never forget. He had, he had taken uh, myself and uh, Tredavious White out to eat um, for our little, you know, visit thing. You know, we visit with a little bit of the coaches. And he said, man, I don't even know why you here. You know, we're not going to have a chance to get you. So I've always had respect. We chopped it up. We talked ball. Man, I have, I, I've always, you know, admired him from afar of what he does. So 
He already know how I feel about him. Much respect to him, bro. Congratulations. Eric recently made a critical discovery at Chick-fil-A, and he's beyond thrilled to share it. Wow. Um, for as many years, and I used to have a Chick-fil-A on campus in college, I did not know how good Polynesia sauce was. Bro, this is my first time having it today, and... Dog, that had to be the craziest, like, blast of taste in a long time. I was like, what? This is... And then my man tell me, one of my best friends, I call him Big Coop. He was my left tackle in uh, high school. He go, bro, you ain't know about Polynesian sauce? You know if you mix Chick-fil-A sauce and Polynesian sauce? Now, Chick-fil-A sauce is my sauce. He like, mix him up. I'm like, mix him up? That's a thing? <sighs> I didn't know. So Chick-fil-A, holla at me, man. I need that Polynesian sauce in my life. I didn't know about it. Dog, it's, it's so good, bro. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 17 Weeks. This show is brought to you by Uninterrupted, SiriusXM, and Pandora. You can listen to it on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms, so I know you can find it. Wherever you listen to it, though, be sure to subscribe so you can get notified. You know that little ding, ding. So when new episodes drop every Thursday, you know when it's going to hit. And if you like what you hear, which I know you do, don't front. Like, keep it real. Keep it a buck, as we say. Keep it 100. I know you like what you hear. So spread the love. Share the show. You feel me? I'm your host, Nate B. Shout out to my co-host, Jamal Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, and Eric Ebron. This show is executive produced by John Fontanelli. Our producer is Josh Rodriguez. Our associate producer is Logan Castrodale. Editing and sound design by Chris Weatherspoon. The show is also produced by Chris Tyler and Andrew Emmer. Brandon Gitches, Senior Director, Podcast Production at SiriusXM. Andy King, Director, Sports Programming at SiriusXM. Andy King, Director, Sports Programming at SiriusXM. It's written by John McLaughlin. Archival sound courtesy of the NFL Network. All right, till next week, we out.